Good morning, and welcome to our live broadcast at First Presbyterian. It is a joy to come into your home today with good news about God who loves you. If you're ever in Uptown Columbus, we invite you to stop by and say hello. We'd love to see you, have you worship with us. We'll make you feel like family. At First Presbyterian, we are family. Learning together, growing together, worshiping together. Savior Jesus Christ and welcome to worship. All who are able are invited to stand for the call to worship which comes to us from Psalm 122. And the psalmist writes, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of our Lord. Our feet are standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For the sake of my relatives and friends, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. Let us worship this good and loving God with our opening hymn of praise. Praise ye the Lord, the Almighty.
repent. John the Baptist in the New Testament first brought this message. Thereafter, Jesus Christ reiterated it over and over and over. According to the concordance I have used, repent is used more often in the Gospel of Luke than any other Gospel. Jesus drives it home. Luke 13:3. I tell you, unless you repent, you will perish. Two verses later, again, I tell you, unless you repent, you will perish. As a penitent people, let us go to God and confess our sins. Lord, we believe in Thee. Help Thou our unbelief. Lord, we love Thee, yet not with perfect hearts. Lord, we wait Thee, yet not with our full strength. Lord, we trust in Thee, yet not with our whole selves. O Lord, our Christ, and our spirit, make us contrite that we might be new from our sinful selves into new men and new women according to thy will and for the sake of our glory. God so loved the world that he gave us his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but shall have eternal life. Friends, hear and believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ we are forgiven. committee hard at work over the last several months seeking God's will and way and discerning a call upon the life of the person called to be our new children's director and God's call has landed upon Debbie Spear and today we welcome her to this ministry of Jesus Christ through First Presbyterian Church to our children to their families and with us all as we serve our Lord. We're going to do a more formal uh, announcement of Debbie's coming to be with us, but I want you to see her so that you can recognize her face as she is already here at the church and will be around. So uh, 
Introduce yourselves to her. Welcome her. She is going to be a fabulous addition. I asked Debbie to make a cheat sheet for me. Debbie was Miss America in 19... No. <laughs> Debbie moved to Columbus at the age of five, and she's resided here for most of her life. She's been an avid volunteer in our community, serving with many different local organizations, and she listed those. She's also owned, this is interesting, a catering and event planning company that specialized in children's theme parties. But for the past 10 years, she has invested herself in the fields of primary and secondary education and youth ministry, uh, most uh, namely at St. Luke School and right next door at Trinity Episcopal. And now, by the grace of God, she is here at First Presbyterian. Debbie married Eddie Spear. Eddie, where are you? You, you can give your, uh, your wave. And they married in October, and Eddie and Debbie have three sons and three daughters. Jack, 19, Marianne, 16, Bradley, 16, Lily, 15, Henry, 13, and Carly, 12. I think we can say they have a youth ministry right there in their, in their home. It's a Brady bunch. Those who interviewed Debbie were unanimous. They were excited. They were passionate because they saw Debbie's passion. And we give thanks to God that she's joining us at this time for this important purpose in the life of our church. Debbie, God bless you and welcome. Yes. Thank you. She will be with our children in Children's Church today. But Hillary, you're not off the hook yet. Come on up for the children's sermon. You guys are the children's sermon. And you get it in two weeks. <laughs> good morning. It's so good to see everybody. We have so many people back from summer vacations. Yay. Well, I have to ask you a question, especially with summer almost closing. Has your mom or dad ever asked you to do any kind of chores? Any kind of work around that? Yeah, okay, okay, I know, I hear the grumbling. You know, I have a story to tell you today about a father who asked his two daughters to help him with some stuff. See, they had had a big rain and a lot of wind, kind of like we've had this past few months, and a lot of leaves and branches fell down in their yard. And the dad went in to Rebecca and he said, Rebecca, what you doing? She said, well, I'm working on this model airplane, Dad, isn't it cool? Yeah, can you help me rake the leaves? Oh, Dad, really, I really, really wanted to try to get this model airplane finished. I'm going to finish it. So he turned and he left, and he went to Sarah. Sarah was watching TV. He said, Sarah, I really need somebody to rake up all these leaves because it, it's a mess, the yard looks bad. Sure, Dad, I'll do it. No problem. He said, okay, and he went on to work. Well, after he left, Rebecca got to thinking, you know, Dad does all this stuff. Maybe I should really go ahead and rake the leaves anyway. I can finish this model airplane later. So she went out and started raking. And when Dad came back, he saw Rebecca out in the yard. And he said, well, where's Sarah? I don't know. Last time I saw her, she was watching TV. So he went in and he said, Sarah? Sure enough, 
What do you think she was doing? Yeah. Now, which daughter do you think pleased him more? Rebecca, who said, no, I'm not going to do this, and then went out and raked the leaves anyway? Or Sarah, who said, yes, I'll go do it, and then didn't? Sarah. You'd say Rebecca because she did it? Yeah. Well, that's a lot like a Bible story that Jesus told. It's a parable that Jesus told. But his story involved two sons. And the father said, go out into the vineyard and help out. And the first son said, no, I don't think so. And the second, said, second son said, sure, I'll go. Well, same thing. The first son went out. Even though he had said no, he did the work. And then the second son, who said yes, didn't. Sat there and did nothing. You're right. Well, just like this story that we told about the two girls, Jesus wanted us to realize a story in this parable. He wanted us to realize that what we do is more important than what we say we're going to do. See, when Jesus tells us, if he says, I want you to love one another, he wants us to say yes. But what he really wants us to do is love one another. And when Jesus says, follow me, he wants us to say yes. But what he really wants is for us to actually follow him. Instead of just saying it, you're right. So I think I want to be more like the child that actually does the work. Don't you? All right, let's pray in three, two, one. Father, sometimes we say yes, but our actions say no. Help us to be faithful to do what you have called us to do always. In your name we pray, amen. first lesson this morning comes from the letter of James, chapter 2, verses 14 through 18. Four men named James are mentioned in the New Testament. The author of this letter is not James the disciple, but is believed to be James the brother of Jesus. Thus James, this author, was present and was getting the true word from our teacher, nothing secondhand. James and Reverend Hasty in his sermon today enter into the perplexing world of how are we saved? By faith 
or by deeds, perplexing to early Christians and perplexing to us today. Faith, deeds, both, what proportions? Listen now to the Word of God. <clears throat> what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but do not have works? Can faith save you? If a brother or sister is naked and lacks daily food, and one of them, uh, and one of you says to them, "Go in peace, keep warm, and eat your fill," yet you do not supply their bodily needs, what is the good of that? So faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I, by my works, will show you my faith. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We are called to rise to our feet when scripture is read and join Christians around this good earth. In houses of worship all around the globe, Christians stand out of respect. 
to God's living word because they know its power and how precious it is. So honoring God and honoring his living word that comes to us through Holy Scripture, those who are able are invited to stand. To hear God's word from Matthew's gospel in the 21st chapter beginning with the 28th verse. Listen to God's word speak to your life. And Jesus is speaking and says, what do you think? A man had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work in the vineyard today. And he answered, I will not. But later, he changed his mind and went. The father went to the second and said the same. And he answered, I go, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? And they said to Jesus, the first. And Jesus said to them, truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are going into the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness and you did not believe him, but the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even after you saw it, you did not change your minds and believe him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Will you pray with me, please? Lord, there is a time to speak and there is a time to act. Now has come a time to speak and to listen. We pray that it would be your words that we hear. And that our minds would be keen and our hearts would be yielded and open receive your word. And so may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of our hearts now be found acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. And by your grace, may we live out what it is we hear today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, why in the world would a preacher who makes his or her living by talking, pick such a passage to expound upon. It's beyond me. But I am to blame for choosing this passage. We have been engaging in this sermon series in the, in the Gospel of Matthew called Kingdom Come. We have been looking into the teachings of Jesus himself about what it means to be followers of the king, to be in the kingdom and of the kingdom. And our sermon series has led us to this passage today. I regret maybe that I had chosen it and I'd really forgotten about it. But it was already planned and in the bulletin and so here we go. Preparing this sermon, I remember the words of my homiletics professor, Wade Huey, at Columbia Seminary when he spoke to us young green pastors, preachers to be. He said, remember, men and women, the preacher always preaches to the preacher first. So let me confess to you, this is a sermon for me. 
And if you want to listen in, you are most welcome. The parable that Jesus told at this juncture in his ministry, he has already entered Jerusalem. The last week of his life is now beginning to unfold. The donkey has been ridden in, the palm branches strewn before him. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The intensity of Jesus' ministry and his call and his focus to go to the cross is now reaching a fevered pitch as he engages the Pharisees and they ask him by what authority is he preaching. And he answers them as Jesus most often does answer a question with a story. And he tells this simple parable. A father asks his sons to go into the vineyard and the first son says rather rudely and abruptly no I'm not going but then as Hillary said he reflected on his answer and who was asking him to go and he changed his mind and he went and labored in the vineyard the father goes to his second son and he says to his son, go labor in the vineyard today and politely, with, with all the appropriate words, says, yes, father, yes, sir, I will go. And he does not so much as move a muscle to get up out of his chair and he keeps watching TV or she keeps playing that video game or doing whatever they were doing. The point of the story that Jesus tells is so clear, it is painful. All the biblical scholars agree on its basic pointed meaning. What we do is more important than what we say. Profession of faith, no matter how eloquent or complete, can never be a substitute for the practice of faith. Words without actions are not worth much. The point of what Jesus is telling us and said to the Pharisees is very clear. Jesus was saying to the Pharisees, you are talking a good game, but your lives leave a lot to be desired. And then Jesus didn't stop there. He went on to say to the Pharisees, not only do your lives leave much to be desired and your words don't match up with your actions, there are tax collectors and prostitutes who are entering into the kingdom of heaven before you. And Jesus turns as we know Jesus does, everything in their world on its head. And the greatest sinners among them are entering the kingdom of God before those holy and righteous ones. There's one person that has also speculated that it may have been not this parable necessarily, but Jesus' exposition on the parable and what he said to the Pharisees that helped get him killed. He held up a mirror to those who questioned him and it was not a pretty picture that they saw reflected back. They were arrogant, 
They were self-righteous. They were self-satisfied. They were sedentary. They were comfortable with who they were and what they believed about God. But so many times it is easy to mistake our conviction, our belief about God with obedience to God. The words of Jesus from other points in Scripture come whistling, almost screaming in our ears, this people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom, but those who do the will of my Father. Jesus asked after he told the story of the two brothers, he asked those who were listening, which one of these sons did the will of his father? And the answer is easy. Well, most of the children got it right. I don't know if there was a plant over there that said Sarah, but it was really Rebecca. It was the first child, the first son who did the will of the father. He first said, no, I'm not going. But then upon reflection, he came to his senses and he went to labor in the vineyard. It was not what either boy said that mattered, but what he finally did. The first son went and did. And it's true, if we think about it, that this is just one more of those stories about hypocrisy that Jesus tells. One more parable in his teaching about saying one thing and doing another. And this charge of hypocrisy to the Pharisees and to many times the Christian church today is the charge that is leveled against us. We as Christians say one thing and we do another and we promise on Sunday that we will love each other as Jesus has loved us. We will show honor and respect and die to ourselves as we extend ourselves to our brothers and sisters, whoever they are, who are in need. In the name of Christ, even with something as small as a cold cup of water, yet then we go out on Monday, Tuesday, for the rest of the week, and we rip each other to shreds. So Jesus levels a serious charge against those who pretended goodness. Jesus speaks a sharp word to those who would wear a fake fur of faith and seek by their words to gain advantage over another. But let me stop here and quickly say my friends my brothers and sisters I am not standing up here trying to indict you the fact of the matter is I'm not sure I'd go so far as to say I'm not good enough to be your pastor 
But there are so many times that I do not feel like I deserve to be your pastor. Because there are times that my words and my actions do not match up like I want them to or desire them to. But what I see in your lives, so many of you, I see a life of faith, not so much by what you say, because we Presbyterians are not well schooled in verbalizing the private nature of a relationship, a saving relationship with a living God. We don't do too well speaking about those things that are so precious interior to us. But what we also know is that private faith is a public faith and you live your faith in such beautiful ways not so much by what you say but by what you do and a bunch of people don't have any clue what you're doing and sometimes your left hand doesn't know what your right hand is doing and I can't tell you how many times I go to a hospital or to a nursing home or to, or to the, the home of someone in our church, someone in need, and they say to me, Pastor, I need to tell you how good the church has been to me. And I am so thankful to God for the ways that you live out your faith. So this is not a sermon to guilt you or indict you. You know, to be honest with you, I have such good intentions in my life. But you know about those good intentions, don't you? And I've paved my piece of that highway to you know where with those good intentions. Now, if there's anybody else out there who is the least bit like me, can I get an amen? amen? But here's some of that good news. I thank God for somebody named Peter who suffered from foot-in-mouth disease, who spoke before he thought and often said things that he didn't understand and it was out before he could grab it back and he was in trouble. And Peter is that one who said to Jesus, upon claiming and testifying and professing, you are the Christ, you're the Son of the living God. And just as soon as he had said it, he went on to, he would have been fine if he would have just stopped right there, but he couldn't and he said, and I will follow you anywhere, Jesus. I will go where you will go. I will do what you will do, Jesus. I will even die with you. Jesus knew Peter all too well. And he said to him, Peter, 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 I appreciate what you're saying, but it's not what you're going to do. Three times you will deny me before the cock crows, and that is exactly what comes to pass. But my friends, that is not the end of the story for Peter. It is not the end of the story for us whose words do not match up with their actions or their desires. 
For God's redemption comes in that beautiful scene when the resurrected Christ, fresh from the grave, wounds hardly healed, meets His disciples. He goes to them. They're on a little fishing trip. And He waits on the shore and Peter sees the risen Christ and, and recognizes who it is who is calling Him. He can't wait for the boat and He dives in and swims to the shore to be the first one at the feet of His friend and His Lord. And it is there that Jesus says to Peter, three times, Peter, do you love me? And Peter is quick to answer, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus asks again, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. But every time Peter answers with his mouth, Jesus puts a claim and a charge upon his life and he says, if you love me, then feed my lambs. Feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. Put your words into action, Peter. And he was redeemed three times over. And his feet carry him by the grace of God to do just that. The Father that we know is the Father that we see in Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ has said, you know the Father, because if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. And the call comes to labor in the vineyard to feed His lambs and His sheep. And we know that when Scripture talks about the vineyard, it is talking about the world. The vineyard is code word for the world. And the world is wherever our feet take us. The world can be inside the church of the walls that we are called to serve with intentionality and vulnerability. And the world is outside the walls of the church to our homes, to our places of work to places that we think we would never go. But the call is to serve in the vineyard, in the world, where our feet take us. And that work that we are called to do is to proclaim the love and the grace and the justice of God in the vineyard. In other words, we are called to preach the gospel at all times. We are called to share the good news, which is the good news of God's sovereign love, which is the good news of God's complete and utter grace-filled forgiveness. The good news is that in relationship with this living, loving, grace-filled God, we are changed. We are not left the same but become more and more like the likeness of His Son. But to preach this good news, we know that we have to earn a platform to use words. Amen? In a place where it is most important to earn a platform is in our homes. Because any of us who have spent any time around children or grandchildren... No, they can spot a phony from a mile away. 
And in that place, if what we do does not match up with what we say, our children will never listen. We must earn a right to be heard. And they can spot authenticity before it walks in the room. It's like unto those who, like in a sports setting, the coach who is able to speak to his players, the coach who is able to impart a word and instruction to change and transform them into a working body who go beyond what they could ever think or imagine they could do by their own power or skill. But the coach affects their lives because they see in the coach his willingness to do the drills, to sweat with them, to get into the trenches. And in most cases, the most effective coaches are the ones who have played that game at some point in their lives. It's like the CEO who is willing to leave the ivory tower, the corner office, to take off the suit and the tie, to take off the, the, the dress garb, and, and to get down on the level with those who sweep the floors, those who drive the truck and make the delivery, those who encounter the customer at the, at the point of exchange. Those are the leaders, the CEOs, that have earned a right to be heard. They have earned the respect of their employees, their players, their laborers. Jesus Christ was one willing to take off the garb of heaven and put on the garb of the servant. And it is Jesus Christ himself who calls us to preach the gospel. To go into the vineyard and preach the gospel. As St. Francis says, and when necessary to use words as we preach that gospel. Soren Kierkegaard, a great Danish theologian, said it this way, Jesus wants followers, not admirers. Or as a popular Christian author has written the book entitled, Not a Fan, he says Jesus is not looking for fans to sit in the stands and cheer him on but Jesus is calling calling those who will join him on the playing field in the vineyard okay I'm gonna quit talking I'm gonna be quiet in just a minute but as I close I want us to remember that son, that son who was asked by his father to labor in the vineyard, and this son knew that the work would be hard, he knew that it would be difficult, he knew that it would be demanding, he knew that it would be painful, the son knew the work the father was asking him to do might even mean giving up his life. And so he prayed to his father, Dad, I would rather not go. I would rather that you choose someone else and take this chore away from me and give it to another. But maybe the son changed his mind 
and concluded his prayer to his father by saying, But dad, not what I want. What you want. And after he said amen, he didn't have much more to say. And so he let his feet do the talking. And his feet carried him all the way to a cross where he preached his most important sermon in his crucified body. In light of that, now it's our turn. And the Son is calling. He's calling you and He's calling me and He's saying, follow me. Come labor in my Father's vineyard. And so what's it going to be? Our will or His? What's going to move? Our mouths or our feet? Will you pray with me, please? Loving God, how well we know that so many times the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Yet we thank you and we praise you for the strength that we see in Jesus Christ and his obedience to you, that his spirit in your spirit, that his body as your body was willing to go all of the way for us. And so it is now our heart's desire that we would be able to serve you in a manner that reflects our gratitude. So inspire us and fill us by the power of your spirit that you might motivate us as body and flesh to do your work and will for the praise and glory of your son, our savior, in whose name we pray. Amen. Let us stand in response to the word. And before we go live what we believe, let us remind ourselves what it is we believe as we say together a great creed of the church, the Apostles' Creed. Christian, what do you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day He rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence He shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. A very southern friend of mine once told me, there's no such thing as too much fried chicken. We just finished feasting on a lavish spread at the family fun day in the country. Today, we have feasted upon the word of the Lord, and I submit to you, there is no such thing as too much prayer. Let us go to God in prayer. Gracious God, we thank you for ordaining this day of rest during which we are able to bring back to center and focus the life you wish us to live. 
We thank you for your never-ending generosity, filling our material needs and our spiritual needs, no matter how foolish or sinful we have been. With you, this body of believers rejoices with births within our flock. With you, this body of believers prays for the healing of the sick. With you, this body of believers grieves, yet rejoices, for those who have left this earthly kingdom to enter the heavenly kingdom. Give wisdom, courage, and moderation to all in positions of authority. We ask your special blessing and protection for the defenders of our freedom in uniform and the defenders of our health and safety in our local first responders. We thank you for your safekeeping of our youth during their summer travels and missions. We also thank you for your inspiration to our church leaders and pastors and for the unsung heroes within this congregation who have carried out Christ's mission since 1830. We rejoice in your guidance in bringing together this congregation and a children's ministry director. Together, in one voice, this flock praises you by the prayer which your son taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let's get a warm word of welcome to our guests and visitors, friends and family. We are thrilled to have you with us in the sanctuary this morning at First Presbyterian. We would ask that you would fill out the pad in the pew with you, pass that down so names can be re recorded, and so that you might greet each other by name following the service if you have not done so already. We want to extend an invitation to join the ministry of First Presbyterian Church as we seek to serve Jesus Christ through the Presbyterian Church USA. If you're looking for a church home, if you're looking for a family of faith, we want to invite you to join us in this ministry. Speak with me, speak with uh, our clerk of session, Jimmy Moy, speak with one of our friendly members, and we will facilitate that, uh, that joining and becoming an official member. But we are so glad that you're here. For those of you who are joining us through our television ministry or our live streaming, we also welcome you. And it is a joy to know that you are with us through this miracle of technology as well and pray the worship service is a blessing to you today and in the weeks to come. Announcements for your attention. We are extending congregational sympathy to the Bishop family upon the death of Susan Bishop, the wife of Lanny Bishop. Uh, prayers for them in this time of grieving. We are also rejoicing with families in the life of our congregation. with. Uh, David and Katie upon uh, the birth of their daughter, uh, and that includes the Terry and the Scheibel families. Also, Bob and Beth David upon the, the birth of their twin grandsons to Britt and Emily. Also, boy, the, we've got kids. We do need Debbie as a children's director. Uh, Mary Lou and Clark Cooper upon the birth of their grandson to Thomas and Casey Cooper. 
their weddings, and so that means we pray God's blessing that children will be coming out of those unions. We're rejoicing with Dickie and Julie Strauss upon the marriage of their son Richard yesterday to his bride Rachel, and joy and celebration there. Yesterday we also celebrated a wedding that took place in April up in Burlington, Vermont. The daughter of Rex and Lynn Whidden uh, married, so we are celebrating with Caroline and Ronald on those nuptials. Uh, I would ask special prayers for Duke Miller. We learned that Duke has gone into a regional medical center with some uh, health complications on Friday evening. He is still there, and we ask prayers for our beloved member, Duke Miller. Uh, we're rejoicing with uh, Debbie's coming on staff, and we continue to pray for our associate pastor nominating committee as they do their important work for yet another person on our staff team. Please note that on July 31st, that is uh, this coming Wednesday, there is a family night supper and then sack lunch packing immediately after that. They did 20, 21 sacks a second or something like that. It was incredible. 420 lunches were packed in 20 minutes. There's something about that in the bulletin. Uh, also, uh, Ignite at 9 is tonight in the fellowship hall. If you didn't get enough fried chicken, there's more at 6 p.m. in the fellowship hall uh, this Sunday and next. And then um, Adult Summer Sunday School on August 4th, VIP Opportunities to Volunteer on August 18th through 25th. And thank you to Rob Harbison for serving up here last week and back there this week. And thank you to our clerk of session, Jimmy Moy. We are blessed with awesome leadership in this church. And we also send out prayers to Jones on vacation and his family and Jason and Julie with our middle schoolers up in Tennessee and um, pray for their safe journeys. The rest is there for you. And now we continue to worship and with grateful hearts, return a token of our gratitude through our tithes and our offerings.
loving God, you are the giver of every good and perfect gift, and we pray that these gifts and our lives will reflect our gratitude. In the name of Christ, our Savior, we pray. Amen. Brothers and sisters in Christ, go where your feet take you this week. As the Father calls to us all, come and join me in the work in my vineyard. And as you go, go and preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.